Shohei Otani hits, pitches, and trades crypto. He does it all on the platform that trades it all. FTX, the official crypto exchange of MLB. But you don't have to be a pro to trade like one. Just download the FTX app and you could be trading crypto, NFTs, and more in minutes. FTX, Shohei's in. Are you? Everyone, welcome to Fitz on Fantasy. I'm Pat Fitzmorris. Find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Great to have you in the house. I am extremely excited about this week's show because this is going to be a first for Fitz on Fantasy. For 165 episodes, it has been one show, one guest. Not today. This time, it is going to be not one, not two, but three guests at once, as I will be welcoming in my good friends from the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast, Jeremy Broens, Michael Sipes, and Shane Manila. And this many voices and this many opinions, well, it's going to be a jam-packed show. In fact, it's going to be too jam-packed for a single listening. So in addition to being the first multi-guest episode of Fits on Fantasy, this will also be the first two-part episode of Fits on Fantasy. So enough of my blathering. Let's do this. Let's bring in the guests. And here with me now are the co-hosts of the outstanding the unpredictable, the wildly entertaining Dynasty Trades HQ podcast, Jeremy Broen, Michael Sipes, and Shane Manila. Find Jeremy Broen on Twitter at Dynasty Madman. Find Michael Sipes on Twitter at FF Blitz. Find Shane Manila on Twitter at Shane is the worst. And here's the thing. After listening to this show, you'll want to listen to episodes of Dynasty Trades HQ. So yes, by all means, go subscribe to Jeremy, Mike, and Shane's show after you're done here. But also know that these guys have Patreon membership levels for their show where you can get unedited versions of Dynasty Trades HQ that fall into the not safe for work category. Uh, Bonus shows, roster and trade advice if you get an upper tier Patreon subscription. And I think they even have a tip top Patreon level that gives you all of that. And one of the guys will travel to wherever you are to give you a foot rub. So please find the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. Wait a second. Let me get this straight. Uh, The free version of the show is safe for work? No, no, no. (laughs) More safe. (laughs) Yeah, it's more safe for work than the the non-free version of the show. You can can listen to it at work at a, uh, I'd say, a reasonable volume where other people can't hear it. I don't think I don't think in the four and a half years of us doing the show we've ever used the term "not safe for work." I don't think we've ever said Maybe. that before. I've repeatedly <laughs> mentioned it and repeatedly. Shane does people. warn people, and it's in the description on Patreon too that our one copy of this show, you know, our one show is not safe for work. But I think we we refer to it as sort of you know the adult show, right? The after hours, not for kids, and it's not free kind of thing. Well, that that I def I do definitely. Even the regular show, I tell people you should not be listening to this with your children because I say things like you know kids shouldn't smoke, and because I need the cigarettes, um, I, I, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so, but we might but, be able to have kids listen to it, Shane. But you're on the show, so we have to be really conservative. <laughs> And there's plenty of stuff, Shane, that you think the world has heard, but I've edited out way before anybody ever got a chance. Well, to that's hear. unfortunate. <laughs> no, you'd have a lot more trouble in your life if I let a lot of the stuff go from, through. From his on-show epiphanies that you edit out, yes. Yeah, even though the the Patreon's unedited, it's still a little bit edited. <laughs> so as long as we're talking about decorum, <laughs> I mean, let's talk about Dynasty League etiquette. Uh Jeremy, how do you deal with shitty trade offers? Yeah, I mean, I've been known to send some of those out myself, um, and I've been, I've been chastised for it in threads and openly on on Twitter, and and, and I mean, deservedly so. I, I have sent some pretty bad ones um, out as preliminary offers, but I, I'll be honest, this is the this is the God's honest truth. I don't get mad. I know people do. I laugh. I might share it 
you know, with my co-hosts here. In fact, we do like trash dynasty trade offers. We'll sometimes just laugh our asses off about some of the some of the offers that we've gotten or that we've seen other people get. But yeah, I think you have to laugh. Um, you know, the, you can't get angry. I just don't see the point in wasting your energy on that. You don't know where the other person's coming from. It might be a joke. Uh, maybe they don't know values like, you know, Shane and Mike know values, right? And they send it to me. Um, but my getting angry says more about me than it says about their shitty trade offer or them. I mean, it's just something, it comes with the territory. I find it entertaining. So, uh, in general, I just reject it, you know, and, uh, that's how I deal with it. If it's something though, that, um, I'm interested in either the player that they're suggesting trading to me, or if I want to get rid of the one or more of the players that they're asking for, I'll entertain the offer and just kind of, you know, play along or, you know, reach out and, 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 and say something. But now if Shane sends me something and I think it's outlandish or crazy. I'll be like, really? Come on, man. This, you know, and we'll have more different dialogue. Um, but I, I'm still not going to get mad at him. It's You still have to laugh about it. I mean, really. Yeah. Does it depend on uh, whether or not you know the person, Sipes? Like, does that matter? Like how well you know them? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I've always, I've always been of the mindset that Every single person that plays this, regardless of whether you have a podcast, a radio show, you write books, whatever, everybody has their own opinion of what somebody is worth. And they also have an opinion of what your player is worth. So I, I don't really ever, I don't think that when they send it to me, I would go, oh my God, you know, F you, I'm not doing this. But if it is something that seems totally outrageous, it, it could also be an opening to, be able to work with that person by knowing the things that they think is valuable, you know? So if they, if they have a certain value system on something, sometimes you can use that to your advantage and be able to get something. I know when, when, when Jeremy jokes about Shane, there are certain people like Shane where Shane, we've been doing this for a long time together and I can understand the way he does things. And when he wants to do something, if he can't do it, and it doesn't happen, if you stay with him for a while, eventually you'll get something done because Shane gets to the point where he just has to do the trade. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think in that sense, yeah, it helps when you know the person pretty well. Shane? <laughs> well, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, Mike was trying to find a nice way to be like, oh, we'll take advantage of someone if they're stupid. Um, <laughs> yes, I didn't was. say stupid. I just said it, there could be an opening. Okay. So yeah, let's, let's couch this in fantasy football terms and not make fun of people's intelligence. Um, yeah. If I think a player, if someone's play has uh, skewed values on players, uh, I'm going to try to make a trade with them. So I'm not going to get angry. Like, like uh, Jeremy said, we will we'll add it to the show sheet and we don't even do that much anymore. Um, cause I don't like hurting people's feelings cause I'm a sweet guy and all, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, I will make fun of them. Um, with our patrons, we'll just usually post a picture out of it in our chat and just make fun of people and say what is wrong with people. But then I will go, you know, the smart thing on me is I won't say that to them and I will make them a counter offer and go, all right, well, you're clearly off somewhere. Um, and even if you're not, at least you're offering me a trade when, you know, six or seven other guys and gals in this league are just like thinking this is redraft and they're on sleep mode for the next three months. That That is one other thing I was going to say, too. If you just outright reject somebody or I would never send a comment to them like, oh, my God, you suck or you're stupid or whatever. But if you just out because like Shane just said, there's a lot of leagues where you only have a small window of people that are even willing to do trades. So if somebody's willing to send some stuff out there, try to figure out some way to work with them. Yeah. Because he's right. There's other players that aren't going to send you anything. You you want to create a relationship with the person, hopefully, or, or not like, um, you know, make sure you don't have one in a league with somebody by insulting them and fighting with them. Uh, you know, hey, you want Javante Williams. This offer for Javante, I don't know if you realize it's one of the most sought after running backs right now kind of soft like what about the i mean you know you don't have to be um abrasive about it but like mike said we're in these leagues for a long time i mean you're supposed to be it's a dynasty league the last thing you want to do is uh, make someone so mad that they're not going to trade with you again or don't they want to trade with you you know i and when i first started playing i, I will admit to i used to get a little um verbose and defensive to bad mm -hmm. offers <laughs> um, but that's how people would get with me too. So I just thought that was the general tack. Like you would just, you know, you'd get a bad offer to, and you would respond to someone like, what is wrong with you? Like, were you drinking paint today? Like, I don't understand. Lead paint. Did you, 
Yeah, like were you, was your brain deprived of oxygen for three minutes? Why would you make this offer? Um, and then I realized that was just kind of counterproductive. And that was with people you don't know. Like most of these leagues, even though I'm in <clears throat> a lot of leagues, um, I, I say I, I feel like I know at least pretty much all of the owners. So like I don't want to make fun of them now in a mean way. Now, if it's if someone that we're friends with, like Jeremy was saying, I, I will send back to him and be like, dude, are you sending drunk offers already? Like, yeah, are you, you serious? Yeah, but, but those are people I know, you know? You know, it's funny, Shane, when you just said in the beginning, when we first started doing this, you know, we've been doing this for years together, the three of us. But I remember that first time we had, they made us all do that Devi league, which I had no interest in playing Devi whatsoever, but I did it anyways with you guys. And I don't remember who exactly it was, but they were like sending me offers and talking down to me. Like I had no idea what was going on. And I remember telling this on the show, we talked about it. I played into that. I pretended that I didn't understand because that's the way the guy was treating me anyways. Yeah, that's the way he was treating me anyway. So I played that up. And I think I kept that going through the entire season. And I did trades based on what he thought I thought and what I thought I thought. It's been a long time since that happened because like you say, we're in leagues together with people for so long. Pretty much everybody knows us. We we're so open on our show. We don't ever hold anything back between the three of us. So anybody that listens knows exactly what players we like or what things we like to do. But that was before we did the podcast. Now we're walking into leagues with X's on our backs. Well, Shane's got yeah. two of them. Like these, these guys want to <laughs> kick our asses. Like that's what they want to do. Exactly. So is, is the, uh, is it worse to not respond to a trade offer rather than send out something insulting, which uh, I actually did to Shane last year in a league we're in together because I'm really, really bad about checking the sleeper app and the notifications. And, uh, you know, but Shane and I are friends, so he didn't yell at me or call me names. But uh, so Shane, actually, let me phrase the question this way. How do you deal with non-responses to your offers when it's someone you don't necessarily like? Yeah, then I don't want that person in the league. Um, I, <laughs> I am so sorry, away. Shane. I know I've done this to you a lot and I, I'm going to do better. I, I'm sorry, buddy. But you do hey, Jeremy, I protect. Jeremy, I've protected you a lot of times. Shane's like, let's get rid of that Jeremy guy. He doesn't accept my offer. That's funny. That's funny. I'm just kidding. Of course not. (laughs) The non-responsive is really annoying because we all, you know, obviously we we all play on these leagues. I think they're all attached (laughs) to our emails, right? So it literally takes, if you don't like uh, an offer, it would take maybe a tenth of a second to reject it. Um, Just as an aside, don't accept it on your your, your Gmail. Yeah. That's we it. made more um, trades that you've reneged on than trades yeah. we've actually made. Yeah. Wait, yeah. you know what else? He did this to me the other day too. He knew I was at work. He knew I was working. And then we had a show later that night and he had sent me an offer. And I said to him during the show, he goes, and Sipes let me hang all day, even though I know he gets notifications. But I was working, but I also said I was going to wait till we did the show so that we would have some content for the show. But you're, but Shane just like everybody okay. should know the instant they get a trade and they All should right, well, do let something. Me, let me say this: ninety nine, no, probably less than that. Probably like ninety five percent of the people that I'm in leagues with, I am not on podcasts and or live streams with. Um, so they <laughs> yeah, can't but, be saving it for the show. No, but you attacked me on the show saying I sent Sipes a trade offer at nine o'clock this morning and he hasn't got to it yet. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean. <laughs> If you were saving it for content, fine, but then you should have given me a heads up. No, I just I hate- no, I'm not giving you a heads up. I'm doing it that way. That's the way I'll do it. Yeah, non-responsiveness is worse than anything. It's like you know, being it's in frustrating. A yeah, you'd yeah. rather you know the opposite of love is hate. It is an indifference, right? Indifference is just that's when you get no response at all, and you're like, I don't know what to do yeah, with this. Like, I have to stop like, it, Shane. I I do. I actually use that tactic quite a bit, where I ignore them, and then I find myself, and I don't. I don't mind. It's just part of it. But when I get non-responses, Pat, to, to, to offers, um, I've had to reach out to people. Maybe they're not on Twitter, you know, track them down through email and wait. And um, I realize that's super frustrating. So what Shane says, you should definitely reply. I don't always do it. Um, you know, I mean, my thing is if you want someone to reply to your offer, I mean, send something worth reading. I don't know. I mean, that that's wrong. You, you shouldn't be that way. But, if, you know, try better next time, I guess. Maybe you'll get a response. Usually, if it happens, up, 
showing up at their homes would be the most effective way to deal with that, I think. Late change? I think so. I think so. I mean, I know we have a lot of guys in Philly that I play leagues with, so I might just start driving over their houses like, uh, what's up? (laughs) And do we have dinner? Like, I'll set you an offer at 9 a.m. It's noon now. (laughs) Where have you been? Usually for me, if I send out the offer, like I said, we all... We we work, we have jobs. We don't. We're not all doing this twenty four hours a day. But sometimes, like if it goes throughout the whole day, I'll send a DM or something saying, "Hey, by the way, I sent you an offer. Do you have any interest in the offer or something like that?" If it stays more than a few days, then you know, you know, usually nothing's going to happen with it. For me, if I know I don't want to do the trade and I don't have any interest in countering, I just immediately uh, reject it right when I get the notification. Right? How hard is that? It's not that hard. It's like if you're at a bar and you try to buy someone a drink and they're like, I don't want your drink. You're like, all right, well, thank you. I will drink this drink myself then. <laughs> Is that how it goes? Yes. It's the exact same thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, when – is it okay to resign from a league? And I'm not going to ask Shane this because I know Shane's answer would be when it's not super flex. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, we've had a conversation on our show about that too. And it hasn't even been that long and it's trended up. And now that's pretty much what we always want to do for that added complexity. It's, it's interesting. But yeah, for me, I, we, and we've talked about this extensively on our show. We've, we've done a lot of, um, we've had a lot of conversations about, you know, um, league etiquette, like you were asking, um, best settings and, you know, those sorts of things we've, we've vetted over the years. But one thing that we've, I think we've come to a consensus on, if you are not enjoying a league, then it's okay to leave it. And, and, you know, coming from the standpoint that I'm not trading away every draft pick I have for, you know, two or three years ahead and blighting my team and going for it all. And then peace out guys, I've left teams because I didn't enjoy the leagues with, uh, Teams that have won the title game, teams that just lost lost the title game, playoff teams, um, I, all sorts of situations, teams with a lot of assets. I don't think I've ever left a terrible team without um, either you know having assets like a bunch of draft picks, paying a year ahead or something like that. I have left a lot of leagues and in some cases, literally just uh, peace sign, like it didn't even really have much to say, just, just left. But I did not leave the team in a bad spot. And I think if you're not happy, why stay in it? It's like anything else. If you're not enjoying it, and then you, you know, maybe find someone, but bring someone into the league, let them do it to replace you, someone that might be happy in that league. It's just not, you're not doing a service to the league. And that's how I approach everything I do. I'm not a great commissioner, but same thing. If you're, you know, if you're not happy, it's what's for the, you know, most owners for the longest period of time. Like, what's the best thing that you can do for the league? You know, the quality of the league, not just individuals. So if I'm not happy, I'm, I just leave, you know, and I think you should do that too. If you're not enjoying yourself. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right. How did the three of you meet and how did you end up doing a show together? Cause you're not geographically close to each other. I'll let the three of you decide who is best qualified to tell this tale. So you're going to have to get a little bit from all of us, I think, honestly, on I this one, if you don't say, mind, because I'd like to hear all our perspectives on this. And uh, yeah, like so. And Shane's okay. denied my story a couple times. So. <laughs> well, right, right, right. So we were at a site um, many, many years ago, and I, I, I remember the site owner at that time um, just trying to get me to do a podcast. And I was like, dude, have you heard me speak? Like, this, this is not built for radio. Like, this is not, you shouldn't inflict this on people. And I'm nervous and I don't want to. And I cut people off and I'm like, I'm really, this is not good for me to do. So eventually he just kept asking and asking and asking. And then was like, and I just gave in and was like, yeah, I'll do one fine. And he's like, all right, I'm going to find your co-host. And I'm like, I don't care. Um, and then he did. Uh- <laughs> and he didn't care. <laughs> But that's no, not but, exactly how it happened. I mean, mostly, I mean, no, no, you'll add your input. But I mean, uh, from that <laughs> point, one of the few things that, that that gentleman ever did was put us three together. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Was. That. And yep. uh, that's the best thing I ever got out of that site. Wow. Uh, being able to walk away um, with the rights to this podcast with you two. 100%. Love you, man. <laughs> nice. Jeremy, so no- do you want to? To no your conflicting point? accounts. Yeah, well, I no, I think that's I think that's um, fair. I was actually driving to a job interview, and the same gentleman called me on the on the phone while I was driving. I didn't know what it was about, no clue. 
and he said, Hey, I, I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, maybe starting up a podcast. Have you ever been interested in that? I'm like, yeah, well, I told you, I, you know, I, I love to do a podcast. I know you have ideas for certain shows and stuff like that, but would really like to do one. And, and he's, he's kind of pitched how it was going to be like this trades um, podcast. And I kid you not, I swear to you that he asked me like who, and, and I said, it would have to be certain people. Like he asked, well, you know, this, that I said, it'd have to be certain people. And, you know, we didn't talk about how we met, but it goes back to that. I'd worked with Shane editing and writing and over the court, just blood, sweat and tears for the site, knew him really well um, and knew Mike really well um, from, you know, setting up leagues and co-commissioning and all these things. So he asked me and I swear to you, I said that, uh, you know, if you, if it were people like, you know, Shane Manila and, and Mike Sipes, you know, I think that would be a great show. You have a mix of personalities. And I don't know that he went with that off the bat, but that's how it ended up. So like what I had in the back of my mind, and I think there were other hosts that maybe turned it down even or something like that, maybe before he called me, but that was my statement to him before I went to my job interview was that I wanted to work with these two. And that comes from having met Mike early on setting up leagues for DFF in the early days. And um, I met him, I, I think it was a Saturday morning. I, I walk out on my deck to talk to him because there's a bunch of craziness in the kitchen in the morning with my family. Maybe we were getting ready to go somewhere. I don't recall, but I talked to him for at least 10, 15 minutes. And I, I got to know him right away. And he told me, you know, backstory and he was going to help me set up this league and we were going to, you know, get it ready for DFF. And I was like, you know, man, this guy is so generous with his time and all these things that and it, what he was offering. And I knew him from the chats. I'm like, this is exactly the kind of guy that you want for a startup venture like we were doing with the site. And, uh, you know, just I was like this guy, you know, instantly, you know, my friend. Right. And then Shane and I worked together a lot when I became an editor and, you know, a year after joining the site, um, he brought me on and like, it was just, uh, I mean, Shane's the hardest worker ever. I mean, I mean, he was just 24 seven grinding and we, we had a lot of fun, man. It was, it was a lot of fun, but I got to know him and how hard of a worker he is and how he has these uh, sometimes crazy ideas, but he has these fits and starts where he's like got these genius moments and these things. And, and it, you know, I realized that I really liked both guys. And when they came back and said, Hey, Mike and Shane, Jeremy, you're going to do Dynasty Trades HQ. I mean, I I was happy. I was ecstatic about that. This is a surprisingly sweet story, you guys. Oh, I man, that's like, acting like no. some sort of comic happenstance. or No, uh, I didn't get to my part yet, so here we go. <laughs> my story is probably going to be different. Right, blow it all up, Mike. <laughs> no, seriously, I, 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 love, I love both of these guys, and we have a lot of fun together. We've had a lot of fun together for a long time. But um, like both of them said, we worked for the, the, the company before, before the podcast even started, and when he approached me to join them – they were looking for writers and everything. And the very first thing he ever asked me when he found me on Twitter is he asked me if I wanted to write. And I told him, not really. I don't like to write. However, I will talk. If you want me to do anything else, I'll talk. And then I ended up doing a bunch of different jobs with them instead of being writers. And one of them was Shane was in charge of the dynasty trades, Twitter handle. And, um, they asked me one day, Shane's can't to can't handle the Twitter handle right now because he's got too many <laughs> other jobs. Well, he's got too many other jobs. So exactly. they asked me if I wanted to do it. So I said, yeah, I said, that's fine. I'll do it. And uh, but then after a while, when they started building all the podcasts, like Shane said, they, they I think what did they make? They made seven podcasts. There, they made something in the neighborhood of 613. Yeah, exactly. Podcasts. Exactly. <laughs> all specific but, to a certain thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was like Debbie salary cap. IDP. <laughs> It was, yeah. Super well, flex, single quarterback, eight team, um, so, <laughs> beginners leagues. It was it was a little it was a little much. Covering the bases. So, but, but 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 part of what he said to me was like I was actually guest starring on a couple of the other podcasts every once in a while. And then when he finally called me up, he asked me, he said, you know, the way we're doing these podcasts, everyone's in their own lane. Everybody has their own thing. And so we're gonna take Dynasty Trades HQ and make it into a podcast. And he goes, I, I've been talking to Shane about it. And um, would you want to do one with Shane? And I said to him, I said, listening to the shows that we have, whenever Shane's been a guest, I've always laughed. I've always thought it was funny. And the, one of the first times I ever heard Shane, I like spit my drink out. I was laughing. I just thought it was hilarious. So I had told, I had told um, 
uh, him at the time. I said, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll do it with Shane. And he goes, and also, um, uh, there's one other person and he goes, I don't know if you know him, but he works with us. His name is Jeremy. And I said, oh yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy and I, we, we, uh, co-commissioned some of the leagues for the league. And I've, I've known Jeremy for a little bit. I said, yeah, let's do that. So, um, he put the three of us together. And then what happened was, we got hit with a hurricane here in South Florida when we were supposed to do the show and we didn't do it. So we spent a couple weeks listening to all these other shows that we had and we came up with all these ideas of what we wanted to do. And even to this day, four and a half years, five years, however long it's been, whenever Sh- Jeremy and I come up with some ideas, Shane's always like, just let me know what the idea is and we'll do it. Like usually we we throw it at Shane. So I had told Jeremy that I wanted to do a show kind of like the Jimmy Kimmel show or something at the time where it's a place where people feel comfortable to listen to us talk, have a good time, be a little serious about things sometimes, but over the top, just have fun and be a place where people wanted to come and hang out. And all three of us agreed on that right away. And we just kind of did it. And, you know, all this time later after that company went away, or maybe it's still around, I don't know. Um, But like Shane said, once we got the rights to the show, it was just way better for us as well. We could do whatever we want. Um, We were adamant, like we were adamant that when we had conversations, we were... We, that we didn't want a boring show where people just talked about football. That and we wanted right. something that w- we had fun doing that was entertaining for us, hopefully entertaining for others. It wasn't just like your run of the mill. Let's talk about football. And I think I think and there we was ended one up other thing. That. Sorry. Oh no, I was just saying, and I think what we because we were actually we were that was that was in the back of our mind. We we were really concerned with what we didn't want to have because of all the things that we came to the table with. And, and we talked about it for, for a long time and then the hurricane and, and, the, and there were other setbacks. And then we finally were able to record, but yeah, man, I mean, it, it ended up coming to fruition. So, so. And awesome. one last, yeah. And one last thing I just wanted to say, cause Jeremy and I had this conversation a lot and then we would approach Shane and Shane would say, absolutely. Is we were always told, stay in your lane. Don't talk about anything other than trades. Your whole show is supposed to be just talking about trades. And we didn't want to do that. So we kept, we did want to talk about trades, but we also wanted to talk about other things. So we kept doing that. And then we'd be told, hey, you guys aren't supposed to do that. And we'd say, okay, no problem. And then we would keep doing it. And um, <laughs> and it just seemed to work. We were also told never to curse, never to be abrasive, never to – and we did all that. We ignored all that. <laughs> we did a great <laughs> job of that. <laughs> we used to joke that we were a Christian rock uh, podcast because of all the stuff. He, yeah, exactly. He would come back to me. So I was – at one point, I was a part owner of the site. And by yeah. part owner, I mean because I did so much stuff there. The, the guy that actually created the site was just like, here, I'm not going to pay you, but you partly own the site now. And I was like, great. So I used to always tell them like, hey, I partly own the site. We'll do whatever we want on this show. Exactly. Yeah, we were more about asking for forgiveness than permission for sure. We were like, you know what? And then you remember some of the other podcasts were getting salty because we were like, you're you're stepping on our toes. I'm like, hey, we play fantasy football too. We know Dynasty. We know it, it was like a real, I mean, it was tough sledding for a while. And that and that's actually how we found Patreon too. Shane found Patreon, and Shane's like, "All right, look, if we're not allowed to say the f word or anything like that, which I'm sorry, Pat, I didn't know if I could say it or you not." Can say say fuck. Oh, yes, okay. So if we're not allowed to say fuck, Shane was like, "Well, let's just do a Patreon and let the Patreons hear us talk like a normal human being, and then we'll edit everything else out." And uh, I, I will say this too: the other great thing about when we first started was none of us knew anything of how to do it. I mean, you're talking nowadays. You could buy I podcasting. Equ- I, I know <laughs> you can buy podcasting. <laughs> it's still organic for you, Shane. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> but but we were all we didn't know what we were doing at the time. So I I said I said to the two of them, I was like, listen, I'll figure it out. I'll do it. And and I watched a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of this kind of stuff to just figure it out. Um, and then that's how I fell into the role of being the person who edits this. But uh, it's so different now when people want to start a podcast. There, it, there's so many little pieces that they can instantly get. Oh, but it's it so easy. It took a while yeah. to get it going, you know. And hey, and we've never missed a week. Uh, I mean, there's been a couple weeks where I wasn't there or Jeremy wasn't there. I think Shane's only missed one week ever. Um, but we have never missed a week in uh, almost five years, four and a half years of doing it. Get on Team Shack with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, 
and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight better parlay. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. With the cost of living going up across the country, you deserve a solution that offers some change. BJ's Wholesale Club members can save an extra 50 cents per gallon at BJ's Gas when they spend $100 in club or with curbside pickup. Stop what you're doing and head over to your local BJ's to get the savings you deserve. Not a member? Join today at BJ's.com or in the club. In-club purchase and gas purchase must be made on the same day. Learn more at BJ's.com slash gas. Oh, <laughs> it doesn't even feel like that stopped. Well, oh, you it absolutely does feel like a decade. Are you <laughs> serious? That feels like a year, yeah, man. Can I tell you my favorite my favorite thing from the show, right? Is um, yeah. So we went to Patron. Um, and they can they can label something adult content, <laughs> which makes it harder That's to find. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they labeled our show adult content, and I disputed it to Patron, explaining to them why cursing, saying the word "fuck" was acceptable. Um, and I used and I explained it to them. I like wrote out this detailed, like you know, I'm talking about you know, it's just the word. I'm not talking about the action. I'm not describing the action of fucking. I am saying the word "fuck." <laughs> Um, right. Oh and they, um, yeah. And they, like two days later, they wrote back and they were like, we agree. This is not explicit content. I was awesome. like, fucking yeah. A. <laughs> and even that goes along with the discussion of not knowing what we were doing. We have, we have gone through all of this, all these years, just winging it a lot of times, even show sheets. When we decided to do show sheets, you know, Jeremy was doing the show sheets and Jay. A lot of times we have a show sheet and we will look at it like a couple minutes before the show and then we will never really look at yeah, it. Yeah, well, that was the thing, right, Mike? We, you and I talked, we were like, listen, Pat, we, we want to have bullet points. Like, these are the things we'd like to touch upon, maybe even in an order, kind of like when you give a speech, but it's about something that you know so well, you don't need to put notes. You just, you're keeping yourself on track. We wanted it to be like that so that we didn't have any sort of pre rehearsed. We wanted the show to be organic, just like, us talking and yeah, we, we know what we're going to talk about ahead of time, but we don't know what anybody's going to say and we don't have anything scripted or planned out. Just we're talking about these topics today and that's the same way we do it now. You know, when we have guests, we might have, you know, specific questions, but yeah, well, which and- is great. And it has that great organic feel to it. Yeah. It's just totally natural off the cuff. You do feel like when you're listening to it that, you know, I'm eavesdropping on you guys at a, a booth at a bar somewhere. <laughs> Exactly. Even our even our sponsors, when we get sponsors, like the last two sponsors we just got recently in the last like week and a half or so, both of them said that they don't want to give us like um, uh, reads to do. They just want us to organically talk about it. And I think and... that's because they think we're illiterate, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can read the read. <laughs> well, if anybody's ever heard the outtakes of you trying to do a read, maybe that could be true, Shane. <laughs> Take 12. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> So what do each of you do for day jobs? Shane. Uh, I am in the um, exciting and fun world of public housing. Um, and it's about as uh, fun as and exciting as you'd guess. So let's move on to, to, to Jeremy and then we'll get to Michael because his is the most fun. <laughs> yeah, Mike, Mike's got like 12 jobs and they're all pretty fun sounding compared to the corporate world. I work at a Fortune 50 company. I'm not going to name the name on the show, but I've worked there for... 14, 15 years uh, with a little blip um, when I got laid off at one point. I got a different job, and then I went back um, quickly um, without much uh, fanfare. I ended up going back. Someone wanted me to come back to the company. Um, and I, so, like I said, I've been there for 15 years. Um, started out mostly business analysis stuff, business analyst, and um, got it more into consulting and specializations, got my Six Sigma and stuff like that. Um, helping the company with process efficiencies. And right now I'm helping the contracts team for this company become more automated with their processes. And um, so basically the team has less work to do and, um, you know, can less busy work to do to complete one contract or one series of contracts and can basically be more productive and have kind of an easier time of it. That's a long, long story short. Sorry. All right, Sipes, the show stopper. 
Yeah, Come this is going to be short. good. No, uh, Jeremy's right when he says I have 12 jobs. Um, no, I mean, my main job has been property management. I've done that. I'm 53. I've done that since I was 16 down here in South Florida. Um, and then uh, I've done a lot of photography. I used to do uh, model photography and, and, and celebrity what? photography and stuff. For um, what? For what? What uh, industry? Uh, well, a bunch of different industries. I did soap Boop. operas. Mm-hmm. I did AVN. Yes, I oh, did. Oh, what's that? That's the the adult video news. I mean, I used to do porn. Like, Whoa, you, you did, did porn. You did porn, Mike? <laughs> well, it was convention stuff. I used to shoot the red carpet for magazines and stuff. So, so people were dressed. They were wearing their ball gowns and stuff. I used to go to the, the AVN Awards and do all stuff. Thanks a lot, Shane. Uh, and I used to do stuff with General Hospital, ABC, soap opera stuff. And then currently, uh, my grandmother lived with us for 18 years and I took care of her for a long time. But when she passed, um, my brother, who's an actor, asked me to help him at one convention. And I went to the convention. And after that, he said, you need to come with me every single weekend to every convention he goes to. And then somehow in a period of like a month, I ended up taking over his entire life. So I, I manage him and, uh, and I manage him with conventions and I do all his auditions. Wait, you stole his identity when you say you took over his life. Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm I didn't, kidding. I didn't steal his identity. I just mean that I do everything for him. So that's why we talk about, we, we talk about it on the show sometimes, like even this week we did a show live from, uh, uh, Pensacola. Cause I was at a convention in Pensacola this weekend with him and I'll, I'm leaving for Vegas tomorrow. And who uh, are you hanging out with? Jesus Christ. Yeah, name well, that's, I, I made this joke, Shane, I made this joke before well, on a show we, we were guests on and, well, uh, because Mike, we were, Hey Mike, we need, can we get this done this weekend? And he's like, nah, man, I'm, I'm hanging out with Tara Reed. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. it, well, and it's funny too, with Tara this weekend, because when Tara was with Greg on the plane and they, they asked, they called me and they said, Hey, help Tara get a, a, a room at the hotel we were at. I, I just assumed that they had known each other for 20 years and they actually had just met on the plane. So yeah. So we ended up hanging. Look, I was at a convention this weekend with 50 different movie and TV celebrities. So there was a lot of different people that I hung out with, but, but a lot of times also, I'm not going to sit here and say some of the stuff. When I tell you guys that it's not to tell everyone. I wasn't going to put out on air the things people you've told us. I was just going to say names of people you've hung out. Yeah. I mean, like when we we reach out. out, Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Mike. I was going to say, so this weekend I was hanging out with uh, Giancarlo Esposito yeah. um, and Tara Reid and um, uh, Richard Dreyfus was even at this convention. So cool. um, and then there's like, we, we meet, look, put it this way. My brother, he's a voice actor. He's Beast Boy on Teen Titans. He's been Beast Boy for almost 20 years through every iteration of the TV show and all that stuff. So we travel the country and go to conventions and meet the fans and um you know sign autographs take pictures do all this stuff one of the cool things about doing this podcast though is that uh, there's been times where people have come to the line and they say they came to see me and whenever that happens i always turn to look at greg and go oh they're not here for you they're here for me and it's always like that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) now in one of the shows you talked about uh going to a convention with your brother and having sergeant slaughter the legendary wwe wrestler insist that you go drinking with him are you really a drinking buddy of sergeant slaughter yes he's he's one of the sweetest people in the whole world he's so nice and uh yeah yeah we just uh we kind of we did a convention where it was actually only him and greg they were the only two celebrities and him and i hit it off and we were talking and yeah we we decided to have some drinks down in the lobby and then we ended up drinking vodka till like four o'clock in the morning just telling i mean i've always been a wrestling fan my whole life so it was always it was just amazing to sit there and and listen to the stories because especially like taking care of my grandmother and doing stuff at the nursing home and stuff like there's a lot of people that they have these these incredible stories that a lot of people don't necessarily get to listen to and and when you do listen to people talk sometimes it's good for them to be able to get it out. And then it's good for you to hear different things and, and experience different things and being with him the, those couple of times. Now, every time I'm at a convention, he's there, the two of us go out, but uh, it's just, uh, I, I've actually met quite a few people in this industry with my brother that um, I don't look at them. 
because that was the other thing. I don't look at people differently. Everybody's the same. They just have really great jobs, you know, and, and, and some people just, they're just normal people. That's why I did so well when I used to do the AVN stuff too, because I always treated everybody like they were just people. And you did porn. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, did, not many people can say that. It wasn't exactly that, but it, it's close enough. But sure. speaking of jobs, you actually, you, you were at this convention hanging out with all these celebrities, and yet yes. you went back to your room to record oh. our show, dropped everything to, to record the HQ, and I you did. wouldn't have there, it any other way, right? Absolutely. Jeremy's 100% correct. There was a huge party Friday night, and every, I mean, all the celebrity, everybody was going. And I said, I, I can't, I got to go back to the room and, and do the podcast. And I did, I brought, I brought all my podcasting equipment. I do that every show. I bring all my podcasting equipment with me and uh, we did it live from the hotel room. You're right. And then I went to bed, Jeremy. You were did like, you, oh, oh, you're oh, going, you were tired. Yeah, yeah, I, you sounded I like it. It makes up <laughs> for the exhausted. time when we reached out to you and we we're trying to get something. I think it was like, I can't remember, but it was something maybe for the expo. And you're like, Hey guys, can I get back to you right now? I'm, I'm hanging out with Ezekiel from the walking dead. And I was like, what? Yeah. Oh my God. There's been some really fun parties. Yeah. Yeah. It's never just that, like, hey, I'm busy. Let me get back. To I know. You. It's always like, hey, I'm busy because I'm with someone famous. Here's a picture of me smiling with him. <laughs> always. I'm telling you, Shane, if we were friends, if I knew you back in the 90s when I was doing all that other stuff, they would have been re- pretty funny pictures as well. There would have been some, <laughs> there would have been some problems. I probably would not have children right now. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, let's let's uh, talk some individual players. We might have to actually talk oh, some football before we... Uh, we do? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's start with Javante Williams. Um, are, are the three of you as bullish on him as the dynasty community at large? Jeremy, why don't you start? Yes, unfortunately, yes. Um, I only drafted him. I think I drafted him in three places, but it might be two. I could. I, I don't think I traded for him. So I, so I have two shares. Yes, I, I'm bullish on him. Um, I wish that others were not because it's going to make it harder to acquire him. Um, so I think the valuation on him is fine. Um, I, you know, I think it's it's fair, and that bothers me. I like I'm the guy that likes to you know I do my own rankings and and keep stuff on players, and I always want to get somebody before you know they blow up or before you know on a down cycle. And you probably ask us about players later that. I want to buy because, you know, people have soured on them a little bit, but I haven't as much. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm very high on Javante Williams. I think he's one of the best running backs to come out in the past couple of years. Um, consistent, uh, efficient. And I think that offense is only going to get better. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that others are there too. And, and his stock is rising. Yeah, now there's this talk that, uh, you know, no matter what they do, even if they draft someone or sign someone, he's still going to be the guy. So that's kind of blown him up. Uh, Shane, are you are you there too, pretty much? No, or do you see no. any? I'm, I'm letting the, the market wants to overpay for him. They can have him. He's all yours. Um, I will trade him for the 102 in this rookie draft pick, take Brees Hall plus whatever else you give me and get the same production plus an extra pick from you. And I will thank you for it and you will thank me. Um, cause you like Javante Williams. I don't know if you do Pat, but I, I think you is the, the, what's the, the fancy you, the plural you, all the use. <laughs> well, are you, um, I mean, is that part of your philosophy that like the, the running backs are just kind of expendable yeah. and yeah, they all are. They don't, they might as well not even have names to be quite honest with you. They, they should just be numbered. Um, it would make it easier for me. So Javante Williams running back, uh, what was he running back? We'll just give him his name is running back 23. Um, I will trade him immediately. Um, Michael Carter got a lot of work during their time together in North Carolina. And Michael Carter is okay, but he's not that good. I just feel like if Javante Williams was special, I feel like I should have seen more in college than 166 rushing attempts as a high, 25 receptions. I mean, he looked good last year, but he looked good in doses. Um, and we've seen players before where, you know, they've looked really good in not full roles. And we just extrapolate it and go, well, if you just times that into a full role, obviously he's going to be the best running back that's ever played football. 
Um, yeah, that's something you can't do with running backs is extrapolate their numbers like that or say, oh, 10 more carries and this guy is, right. you know, th- in this tier now. Exactly. I think it, it had hurt his efficiency, and I think the role he was in last year, and I can see him picking up more points. I can see him being a, a low-end running back one, um, but I don't think that's where the community has him. I think the community thinks that he is a high-end running back, and just in drafts, he's going off the board as an RB5 and DLF mock drafts, which is just – Nope, nope. Do yeah, I it's so me. high. It is so high. You know, it's kind of funny because people ask us all the time, how how have your opinions changed while doing the show and being with these two gentlemen and everything? And for me, I think one of the biggest things that's changed with me since doing this is I used to be the hugest running back fan. Like I always wanted running backs. I, I would draft running backs with my first couple of picks. I would always have the best running back there is and everything. And over the years, we've mentioned it a lot on the show that running backs are so replaceable that by the time you get to week 16, 14, 13, whatever, you're playing the third and fourth string running back. And now since COVID happened, it ended up being in week two and three and four, you're playing the third and fourth string running back. So I've kind of gone away from going too high on some of these backs and kind of like what Shane was just saying a few minutes ago, people will still pay for them. So I'm fine selling him and then getting the second and third and fourth string guys from other teams and sticking those in, but still having one or two guys on my team. He's not one of them that I would say would be the one or two guys that I would have on my team and fill in the rest with the backups. But it just seems to me like if if you go all in on any guy, yeah, I, I know you have on the sheet a couple other running backs coming up, and some of them I do particularly like them, but it it's it makes way more sense to let somebody else pay more for them than you are. Yeah, let's... All right, so let's take it to one of those other running backs, um, Cam Akers. It seems like he's going to be destined to to just be this heavily debated guy this offseason. Um, and when he was coming out, I wasn't as head over heels in love with him as a lot of people were. Uh, and just generally, Same. not only, yeah, prior to the Achilles. Um, but I mean, like what kind of won me over is that as soon as he came back, and got that first game under his belt where he had like 13 snaps and eight touches. Immediately, he became Sean McVay's workhorse. Like just handed him the keys. You're backfield now for the most important games of the season, the elimination games. Um, but then, I don't know, like Shane, after after this impressive performance against the Cardinals in the wildcard game where, you know, the numbers weren't great, but he had some big runs called back and – I think he just missed out on what could have been another big uh, reception. He puts up mediocre numbers against uh, the 49ers and the Buccaneers. And then just like everyone's kind of bashing him on Twitter during the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, you know, what's a, he's not as good as he's not as good as Daryl Henderson or Sonny Michelle. I mean, like, does the mediocre postseason worry you or, uh, you know, do you think like maybe this is kind of a good time to capitalize on some so, questions about him? I, I, I dislike this this narrative only because I disliked Cam Aker before a lot of people. Um, and now everyone's jumping on that bandwagon. So, of course, I, I want to get him now. Um, <laughs> I mean, let, let's... Yeah, because you, you told me to get him in that one trade on our show the other day. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the guy was coming back from a torn Achilles. The, the fact that he could even move on a football field is just... Just stupendous. Exactly. Um, I wrote him off as soon as he had the Achilles injury. I did. So did I was I. surprised I said, that he came back. I said, ah, he's, his career's done. Running backs don't come back from that. And he was like, yeah, you know what? I'll be back in like three months. Uh, I'm <laughs> and he did. And, yeah. and they, didn't even, they didn't even hesitate to put him in as a workhorse, like, right. like Pat just said. Now, the one thing I was a little concerned about in the Super Bowl, and it could have just been – it could have been just how they wanted to script the game, is that they were running um, Daryl Henderson out there uh, on routes which I want those to go to Cam Akers. But I think we've seen enough of Sean McVay to know that if he's got one workhorse back, that's who he's going to use primarily, right? Todd Gurley. He tried it with Daryl Henderson last year, and Daryl Henderson just kept getting hurt. Um, And Cam Akers is, is, as much as this pains me to admit, he's infinitely better than Daryl Henderson. Um, 
he's only the RB 14 in startups. Like his price is pretty much perfect. Like I, I'm fine with that. Um, Cause he's a guy I know that if he comes out and smashes too, if he has two 100 yard games to start the season, everyone's going to go, uh, we had this guy way too low. Like he should have been a top four running back. I knew he was going to be a top four running back. I just blah, 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 blah. So yeah, he's actually a running back. I, I would buy right now, but again, that's because the market's going the other way. Yeah. You have to look at market. And I agree with what Shane said. I, I wrote the guy off and um, I, I'm not really concerned with how things went, um, you know, in the postseason. The fact that he came back from the Achilles and he was running like a badass and like knocking people over and just all of it, uh, just a good sign. And based on how other people value him, that's good for me. So yeah, I think it's, I think you just have to, you know, yeah, it's a guy that you need to go after for sure, especially in that. And I think he's going to get more love in the passing game too. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, you can even be kind of talent agnostic about it and just say, look at this dude's role in an offense that you know is going to be good. You know, the McVay offense was good with Jared Goff at quarterback. So, um, one year, it, one year, <laughs> give him too much credit. <laughs> uh, Sipes, what about Josh Jacobs? Like, it seems like public opinion is, actually kind of oscillating on him a little bit and suddenly a lot of people like him again. Uh, what about you? Where are you on Josh Jacobs? He was one of those guys. Uh, these guys know I have him in most of the leagues that I don't know. I, I was drafting him when I could. A lot of times I like to get rid of all my draft picks and, uh, and then get players that are already playing and with Josh at the time, I drafted him in leagues because I was able to get him in certain spots where I liked him. And then it was kind of that up and down type of thing. I think that we don't have those kind of players anymore. Like back in the day when we had Adrian Peterson and we had uh, uh, Barry Sanders, where you you knew this guy was going to be the only guy and play through everything. And, he, and you knew that no matter what, when you put him in, he was going to play. Somebody like Josh Jacobs, with the exception when he's hurt, you know, he plays a lot because who is it, Shane? You always make fun of the other guys that are running backs on that team behind There's it. always been someone awful there. There was the Drake, Jalen Richard, or yeah. Richard. I'm not really sure how you pronounce his name. <laughs> yeah, Richard. Because he so, should never be on the field. But um, Yeah. So he's one of those teams where they stick him out there always. So when I was talking before about not necessarily liking too many running backs, if they're in a situation where they're always going to get the chance to play, I kind of hold on to them in some spots. Whether he's great and whether he's a, a top running back, it may not be, but he has the opportunity to play all the time. Plus, I love the idea of Las Vegas, so I always kind of – get some players from that team because I, I like to go to their games and get over to Vegas. So, uh, but I, I just don't think that any running back should be way blown up over overrated because at any second, at any moment, somebody else can come in and take their spot. It's a good recap of what we've been uh, talking about with some of these guys. All right. So let's shift to uh wide receiver. Actually, I don't know if it's really that much of a shift because I want to talk about Debo. I've been anxious to, uh, Get your takes on him because I fell ass backward into him in a couple of leagues. And uh, I know I should trade him like yesterday because this is probably as good as it gets. But I like I can't bring myself to do it. And I don't know why. I mean, Jer Jeremy, is this as good as it gets for Debo? It's funny. I so much wanted to talk about Josh Jacobs, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> no, really no, no, no. Back, backtrack. Let's, no, let's say I mean, I'm with I'm with Sipes. Like, uh, here, here's the thing. Like, the, the time to buy him is probably passed because people now, oh, Josh McDaniels are going to use the shit out of him, and and, and they are. Um, he, he did so well um, uh, down the stretch. I think he's been better than you know the sum of his parts. Um, you know, the contact balance, the the ability to catch the ball. Um, you know, yards after contact. I, I think he's one of the talent wise. I think he's one of the best running backs in the league. Now that's not always going to translate into points, um, but talent wise, I think he's up there in the top five for sure. I'm excited that Josh McDaniels is coming in. And I think, you know, that guy's you, you want to buy him. I, I, I think based on the, the finishes that, you know, the running back one potential. And I know we don't value running backs, you know, you, you can get him in the draft and all that, but you got a high-end running back and his situation just got better. So, you know, kudos to anybody who acquired him before Josh McDaniels took over there. But, um, yeah, anyway, 
So back to Debo. Sorry, I had to say that. Um, big, big Jacobs fan, and I wasn't when he came out, but I've gotten more and more into it over the over the years. And um, he's someone that I was acquiring and did acquire um, at the end of last year. And um, you know, now it's it's more expensive, but I still think, even though I, you know, Shane, you probably think it's the price is too high. I think people are still selling him at a at a reasonable value, and you should probably get him. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Debo Samuel, listen, I don't know if he's at the ceiling, but when he came out, we wondered, guys who played Debbie, like, is this guy even a wide receiver? Like, how's this going to work out? Well, offensive coordinator decided, you know what? He can play both positions, wide receiver, running back. We can use him in so many ways. We need to use him, injuries to running back. And, you know, you're capitalizing on those points, um, Pat. So you you can't be too down on the guy, but you're thinking to yourself, is this guy ever going to get better than that? That part, I don't know either. I think he's an extreme talent. He's been injured a lot. But for me, I think the price for him is probably too high. I, you know, I don't know if I want to trade him away places where I own him, but he's not a guy that I'm seeking to acquire because I just feel like it's not a value acquisition. Shane, Sipes, you guys on board with that? So I'm looking at the the trade finder on DLF just because I, you know, I don't want to just pretend I know every trade off the top of my head and he's really gettable. And <laughs> you, you sure you don't want to pretend that? Definitely don't have he's a trade a role. Player. There's no doubt. I love around him. in my head. Um, he's really gettable for trades, but if you trade for oh, him, is he? I, yeah, I think you need to understand. Yeah. Last year was going to be an outlier. Like I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Debo Samuel's not going to rush for eight touchdowns again next well, year. Well, yeah, his offensive coordinator's in another city. But, but either way, that's just – that's an anomaly. Like, I don't think he he might approach 14 touchdowns. I don't know. I think he's probably closer to a 10-touchdown-a-year player. I think he's probably closer to 1,300 yards receiving than he is 1,400, probably 1,200 if we're being honest. Um, you know, I mean, that's like a, a game, right? That a healthy Debo, a hundred yard, that's like a game. So I, you're not saying, all, went, I mean, t- a thousand yards. Well, he went say. from a 12 and a half point game of player to 21.2 so, to the wide receiver right, three. Right. He's not that he's not, I, I, I will, if, if my choices are, you can either have Debo and say that that's what he's going to be, or you have to move him because that's not what he's going to be. I'd move him because he's not going to be the wide receiver three. Yeah. Between but there I think somewhere. I think he's a guy that'll be a low end wide receiver one, mid wide receiver two every time that he's healthy. And he has, you know, I don't know how often he's going to play all 19 games. I guess that's because of the playoffs, but um, I don't know how often he's going to play all 17 games or whatever the schedule changes to in, in our lifetimes. I don't think that <laughs> he's built that way. Um, 20 games. But, but, but again, looking at the trade market for him, like there's trades like Brandon Ayuk and Amon Ross St. Brown for Debo. All right. I'll take, I'll take. I'll take uh, Debo unless it's a start 12, you know, if it's a start nine. There's yeah, not when you start a lot of players, you want to go for a couple of shots at it. I agree with that totally. That's basic, yeah. I mean, that, that's basic, That's like good planning when you have multiple positions. So like Pat, that. I think you can hold on to him, and then you, even if it's wrong, you can tell yourself it's because the market didn't make you move him. Because just looking at these trades, there's not any trades that I'd be like, oh, I have to make that. Now, if someone wants to give me two 2023, three firsts for him oh, okay but i don't see anyone making that trade yeah probably not i love how you start the whole conversation by saying i'm looking at the trade finder and he seems pretty gettable and then you wrap it up by saying well if somebody wants to give me two 23 firsts for him <laughs> well i'm saying if you're gonna move does him not sound gettable no, to no me. but the thing is if you're, you're gonna move him i mean it's gotta be i don't want to say a slam dunk but i gotta feel like i'm i'm getting something out of the deal like i'm looking at some of these trades like miles sanders and mike evans like no, no, yeah, no way. way. No, I yeah. take Amon Ra in a first for him, no doubt, oh, easily. Well, then uh, I will make that trade with you and let's you do it. Yeah, yeah, because right. I'm, I'm on the first in the Amon Ra. Let's do it. All right. And Pat, this is stuff that happens sometimes on the show where they'll say something like this, or a guest will come on our show and talk about somebody. And then during the show, Shane will start sending trade out for that player, you know? Well, one um, of the, when Pat was talking about ignoring my offers earlier, that was when he was on. I believe our show or I was on his show. I forget, but it was somebody was on a show. Well, someone was on a show somewhere and I sent him an offer and he ignored me. She's a Shane, I can't walk and chew gum at the same time, let alone like respond to trade offers while I'm doing a podcast. Oh my God. I will, Pat was on I our will show. say this. 
I will say this, Pat. I know that we're supposed to do a two-part show with you where we had some uh, – the topics in the second part of the podcast. Um, Shane actually just approached a little bit of that when he said what he said about your starting requirements. And I agree with him that that can make a difference on whether you trade for some of these people. But for that, I guess we'll wait till the part two of this episode to talk about that, right? Perfect. Yeah, let's let's cover one more player before we we wrap up part one. Uh, I was on the the dynasty intervention a couple of weeks ago with Shane and Chase Vernon oh and God. Jacob Sanderson, and this Jacob awesome. let us know in no uncertain terms that he thinks Juju Smith Schuster is basically just a bum. God. Uh, and Shane Shane pushed back did on he? Jacob a little bit. He good, did. Good. So I know Shane doesn't think Juju is complete trash. Uh, Jeremy Sipes, where are you guys on him? Uh, I agree with Jacob, but go ahead. Go ahead <laughs> yeah, I, and I never asked you why you didn't like him. I remember a few when he came out in you know the rookie draft. I wrote like the craziest like um, I don't know. It was all over the place article. I had a lot of fun with it, but I but I I dug up everything known to man on Juju Smith Schuster, like everything, and uh, I was like, you know what? I think this guy is a wide receiver one. And, and he was for, for a bit of, you know, for a period of time. And then, you know, he, he's in the steel on the Steelers and they, they use him in a variety of ways. The thing with Juju is that if you use him at his sort of natural, comfortable spot, mostly as a slot receiver. And by that, I mean, running dig routes in routes, stuff where he can find the soft spot, speed up, slow down, kind of get to the, the empty place and then catch the ball, which he's good at, especially when he's facing forward. He, he doesn't have the greatest leaping ability. He doesn't have like, um, oh my God, what's the measure at the, at the combine? He doesn't have a great vertical, but he doesn't need it when, you know, he's running the slot generally. Um, it, it's been fine, but he's very good, better than average when he's running those kinds of routes. And that's what he succeeded with, um, succeeded at, at USC. That's where he was really good his rookie year for the Steelers. He just turned 25 in November. Um, you know, it's not a guy that I, I sought out like wanting to be a fan of. It was after doing that research that I realized I was, um, you know, 63 games, 323 receptions, almost 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns. He was injured. Um, they were using him all over the place. And, and I don't think to his strengths either. And this is a great year, by the way, to get free agent wide receivers. He's one of them. The age is is great. Put him in in the slot. Plug him in on a team that needs a slot receiver. And I think that you know, worst case scenario, wide receiver two. And and you know that's fun. Oh, oh my god, I'm not going to worry about wide receiver twos. But if I have a team that's really good and I have five wide receiver twos that I'm rolling out there, I'm going to win. Like I don't need anybody to be 101. You know, wide receiver one. I don't need all the top tier wide receivers. If I have five wide receiver twos, I can win with that. And I, I think that's what you're getting with him, but consistently on a different team. I think the Steelers were kind of a mess for, for a while there, but the age is good. And I don't think he needs to be a superstar or like whatever Jacob is his name, right? I don't think he needs to be anything special to just become a wide receiver too again. And I know you can repl- those guys are replaceable, but at his age with the experience he has and the production that he has so far, um, definitely a guy you can get a hold of cheaply. And I think you should. All right. Sipes, are you going to slap down Jeremy here? No, first of all, the only thing, I, I, one thing I'll say is I didn't hear that episode. I didn't hear it happen. I didn't hear uh, Shane defended or anything, but I have had this conversation on the show before on our show. And like Jeremy just said, where he said he, you know, he knows that I'm not a big fan of his and, and it's nothing personal against him. It's one of those kind of things where he was so, hyped up and so expensive for a lot of people. And at the time I always looked at it with that team where, you know, you had a B and granted, we eventually found out that a B was um, whatever a B is. But um, when, when he left the way the, the Steelers always seemed to work in my mind was that it was the next man up. It was always that number two guy was playing well and would do stuff. And for fantasy, that's all that matters to us. I get all the stuff that Jeremy says about the combine and all, and, and I don't want to, 
I've said it on the show before. I don't really care as much about the analytics and stuff as what actually happens on the field and what the player actually does. And when Jeremy just said those times, like his rookie year, he did great. Awesome. But here we are a couple years later and it's not as awesome. And I know that Shane loves him. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head because I'm not pulling it up on the screen. I just know that when Jeremy says, if I have five wide receiver two, then, then I'm great. And that goes back to that whole settings of your league. If you're in a league where you only get to start two or three wide receivers, I don't want him to be one of my two or three wide receivers that I'm starting. There's a lot of other wide receivers I'd rather have in that position. And I just never wanted to pay for what you had to pay for with Juju Smith. And then of course, no matter what everybody says about me, I do have personal opinions about some players and I just never really liked him as a player. Dude, he's like you. He's a nice guy. He rides a fucking bike. Listen, I've never heard a bad thing about him. You're, you're absolutely correct. He's supposed to be really sweet and really nice, but I just never liked him as a player. I don't know. I I just didn't. I'll I'll talk to my sources about the type of person he is because, you know, (laughs) okay. Um, Yeah. Seek out his charity. Make sure he's really donating that money. Doesn't he ride a bike to the stadium and stuff? (laughs) He did. Yeah. I mean, he's actually really a cool kid and like, you know, his dad, you know what I'll say about him? That's not going to help me win a game though. No. Okay. But but you also don't like players that are bad guys. I mean, you kind of, come on. Oh, well that's definitely true. Yes. And don't, yeah, yeah. Don't get me started. Here's my thing with Juju, right? Now's a great time to get him. Um, 20, Five years old, right? Um, We know if he pops even a little bit because he's cheap right now. We know if he pops a little bit, all the Juju truthers are going to come crawling out of the woodwork. Of course, and and we were and we were legion. There were many of us, and and a lot of us have just moved on to other things, and that's fine. But they'll come back, um, and then you can trade him for a pretty penny this time next year if he pops. And if he doesn't, you didn't pay that much anyway. I guarantee he's not expensive. He put some seconds for him. But then that goes back to saying it where you're selling him on his name and stuff. And also, what's his, what, is he a free agent or is he still with the Steelers? Yeah, yeah. He, they cut, well, they cut him loose anyway, but yeah, he is a free agent. Because that's the other thing. How many times do these guys go to another team and hit it big? Well, he's going you to. Know, he's 25. I guarantee you he ends yeah. up on a team and it's probably going to be a good team because he's a, he's a locker room guy. He's a value add. He, he's shown an ability to run out of uh, plays out of every position, but you know, it's not his natural position, but he's still able to do it. He's not, there's nothing negative okay. to say about him as a player. He was hurt. He's young. I mean, really the guy's going to have a job and I I'm betting on him like to, to rebound because he's just that kind of kid. Even if it's just for a year, like Shane saying, it's the kind of thing asset that you acquire and then sell at a profit. I mean, he's not an expensive buy. That's the thing. Yeah. And look, Shane, if you're right and everybody comes out of the woodwork, then they could put pitchforks down at my feet and burn me. But nobody's going to do that to you. I just, we have to talk later about why you don't like him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like I said, it's nothing personal at all. All right. We're going to end part one right here. The Dynasty Trades HQ guys will be back again next week for part two. But for now, my thanks to those three fine gentlemen. Go find Jeremy Broand on Twitter at Dynasty Madman. Find Michael Sipes on Twitter at FFBlitz. Find Shane Manila on Twitter at ShaneIsTheWorst. And be sure to subscribe to the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast and consider getting yourself a Patreon subscription to the show for all the extra goodies that the Patreon level gets you. I want to thank my producer, Calm Kelly. Find him on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I want to thank the great Milwaukee Ska Band International Jet Set for the music. And I want to thank you for listening to and supporting the show. Really appreciate all of you. Please come back again next week for part two of my conversation with the Dynasty Trades HQ guys. Until then, so long, everyone. This season on American Prodigies, Black Girls in Gymnastics. You'll hear about trailblazers like Diane Durham. Learn what you don't know you don't know about Dominique Dawes. Meet superstars like Olympic silver medalist Jordan Childs and more. 
Hear how Black gymnasts have and continue to transform their sport. You can binge all the episodes of American Prodigies now, wherever you get your podcasts.